Hey there, it's me, Amy, and I am so excited to be here today with Donia Bumgarner. Donia is someone who I met online, like all the best people, in a podcasting group, and we had a similar passion for serving busy moms and for helping them to get really clear on what matters to them in different ways. You know, I obviously work with food, but Donia is a life coach and she works with moms in like, I would say a much bigger picture of really helping them reconnect with what matters to them and help nurture that. And I was actually on Donia's podcast. I'll link to it in the show notes for this episode today. It's called Nurturing Habit. And we talked all about, um, you know, how you can figure out food for your family in a way that nourishes you and your family. So not just about your kids, but you yourself. And today is kind of a a continuation of that conversation and a little bit of an expansion about it. So I'd love for you to listen to my interview on Donia's podcast, but I'm excited to be here today to talk about this question of how can I prioritize my life as a busy mom? And just as a preview, there will be some about food in here, but it's also about a lot more than food too. Hi there. I'm Amy. I'm a mom, a natural food chef, and the host of the Feel Good Family Food Podcast. Just like you, I have more to do in a day than could possibly get done. And kids who say their favorite foods are things like gummy bread, pretzels, of course, ice cream, yummy. On this podcast, I'm using my 10 years of professional food experience plus real-world nutrition to help real parents more easily feed their families healthy food more often. Stick with me for tips, tricks, and actionable steps to start feeling good about feeding your family. So, Donia, thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm so excited. It's been so fun to do this like continued conversation model. I've never done it before and it's been really fun. <laughs> I know. I love it too. Anyone who's been listening for any amount of time basically knows that I just like love to blab and really dig in. So it's a nice way in a finite amount of time to be able to dig in a little bit deeper than I can get in one conversation. So I like this model. I think we're onto something. So Donia, before we get into the meat of this conversation around prioritization, which I am so excited about. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and who you work with and what your life looks like? Yeah. Okay. So I'm a mom. I'm a mom of an eight-year-old and um, I run Nurtured... Nur- <laughs> See, now I'm tripping over the name of my podcast. Nurtured Mama Coaching is the name of my business. And I primarily work with moms who know that there's more to life than mothering, but they've kind of lost track of what that is in the busyness of life. Um, in many of them, their life hasn't turned out quite like they expected. They had some kind of crisis that in, until now they've just been trying to keep up with what's happening in their life. So the work that I do is I help them unearth their passions and step back into a powerful, intentional life so they can live life far bigger than just being mom. Because <laughs> yeah. we all know there's more than just mom in our lives. Yeah, I, I love that because I think we all do know that. And I also... I personally and have felt from friends and clients that there's like a little bit of guilt around that too. Like absolutely would be enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very much simplifying all of the things that I teach and talk about in that explanation, of course. Um, but I, I really feel like there's a huge amount of cultural pressure on moms, uh, especially in the West, especially right now at this point in time to be really perfect. And there's this standard that we're trying to live up to and it's completely unattainable. I mean, nobody could attain it and it's made up really. 
but we're all trying. We're trying really hard. <laughs> and it's and really hard on us. doing it, right? Because like from everyone our else is doing it and nobody's doing it. Nobody's doing it. So I really think that, and, and I'm, you know, like my vision in the world is like, let's just all be much more honest about what our life is really like, because that gives everybody else much more space to be honest. And then we can create our own life the way that works for us and our family. I love that. So we are going to talk about food today. This is the Feel Good Family Food Podcast. So yeah. Of course, that will be part of this, but let's start big and then kind of narrow our way down to what this sure. how we feed our family. Yeah. So when I think about this question of like, what, how do I unearth my passions and pursue them as a mom? Where does prioritization come in? So why does prioritization matter so much? It matters because we, as busy moms, hardly ever put ourselves first. So the first part is recognizing that we're important. We belong on the list, you know, and time for ourselves is just as important as time caring for everyone else. And in fact, it makes us far more capable of being caring, loving, patient, supportive people. Um, But we so often just put ourselves last on the list, never get to what we're doing. So that's where prioritization comes in. So uh, it's like two, you know, a chicken and the egg sort of problem. Like you have to know what you want in your life, but you also have to give yourself time both to find out what you want and then also to go after the things that you want. Yes. And I, I just want to reiterate those two pieces. Cause I know those are things I really struggle with is like, first you have to be clear on what you want and then you have to give yourself yeah. time to pursue it. And yeah. I love that we're having this conversation today because for me, this conversation around food, this empowerment of people to eat healthier more often is so much about the freedom to focus on everything else. Like it's actually yeah. not about the food. Yes, I love food. Yes, I think food nourishes us. Yes, I think it's so important to feed yourself and your family well and it's an act of caring. But beyond that, what I see so often is people who are spinning in the guilt of not feeding their family the way they think is perfect in quotation yeah. marks. Um who are scrambling all the time trying to feed their family in this vision that they haven't even gotten clear on for themselves. They've just accepted it as what they have to do. And then who don't have the basic skills because we didn't learn them growing up to make it easier so that they have time and space for more things, right? For the things that really matter. Right. Um, So I'm with you on prioritization. I'm not perfect. (laughs) I think... In so many ways, like folks who come here are like, maybe food is a priority. And I actually think it's the opposite. Like you can do 80% good with food with some really solid strategies so that you have time for everything else. Right, right. Yeah. So to just go into my my own story a little bit more, I have a background as a project manager. So I worked at Apple Computer for 10 years, 11 years um, as a as a project manager. So I came to this work as a life coach with all this background in like productivity and efficiency and, you know, and, and I was applying that to my own life as a mom. I left my, I left my career when I was pregnant. So, you know, I had, I had all the space in my life. And so I was just like, I'm going to project manage the heck out of my life. I'm going to, you know, it's going to be so efficient. Um, and it was, and also it was really empty. So like there's, you know, there's a whole lot of other story in there, but it, what I've discovered is that, you know, those, like I said, the chicken or the egg thing, like they have to go together because if you don't know what you're making time for, then it's not helpful to make time. You just, it's not even like you waste it, but like you end up spending it on Facebook or you end up 
coming up with a new busy thing, you know? Yeah. So uh, we all do it. Right. So it, it's kind of a two, um, it chicken, uh, chicken or the egg description makes it sound like you have, like it's a no win, but actually it's a balance. You know, you have to do a little bit of time creation and then you have to do a little bit of visioning and then you do a little more time creation, you know, back and forth. Yes. So walk me through the basics. Like what if I'm hearing this and I'm like, yes, I know I need more time, but I'm still not sure exactly for what or how to get that time. Which one do I start with? The getting more time or the figuring out what I need more time for? I think it's really helpful to do some visioning about what you want more time for, because then you give the, then you have the commitment to make the changes that make you, you know, have create more time in your life. Because sometimes those things are hard. I mean, sometimes making more time means saying no to things that, you committed to, or you thought you wanted to do, or, you know, you're attached to in some way you think you're supposed to exactly. Um, so I think having the vision really helps, but it doesn't have to be a completely fleshed out vision. And that's where people get stuck. So they say, Oh, I think I want, you know, I want to write more, but that feels like a squishy vision, you know, but so they, so they go further. Like, I think I want to write a book. I want to write a memoir about da, 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 da. But, you know, you don't really know, uh, you know, I've been a writer too. You don't really know what you want to write about until you write. So you have to just create the space to start writing and then see where that goes. And then maybe you need more space. So then you can do a little more work and do a little more visioning, you know? So that's what I mean with the back and forth. But I really do think you have to start with a bit of a vision, even if it's really big and loose. A couple of thoughts that tie this back to food. And in our conversation on your podcast, we did a lot of this like life and food, like so much of the philosophies are really similar. And yeah. a couple of thoughts I'm having is like one of the places I start my clients is also with a vision of getting really clear on like what actually matters to them about food in their family. Not yeah. what does Instagram and Pinterest tell you you have to be doing to have a perfectly healthy family, which by the way, that information doesn't exist. No doctor can give it to you. <laughs> They'll don't understand it, right? So if you're looking right. for it, you should get your PhD and you should become a lifelong researcher. You don't know, right? So no one can tell you. You can only do what feels right with the information that you have, right? And do yeah. your best based on that. And so I think this like getting clarity on a vision, I always say like I encourage people to pick three words that describe their family's ideal way of eating. For mm-hmm. me, it's whole, real, and unprocessed. And then I have this caveat most of the time because we're not perfect <laughs> in that, right? But yeah. I can sort of check my decisions against that most of the time and know like I'm doing well enough or I need some adjustment here. Um, the other piece that you shared was around like you don't know until you start going there. And the best thing you can do is take like tiny steps in that direction. And that also applies to food is like if your kids aren't eating any vegetables, all you have to do is start putting a vegetable on the table every night. You yeah. don't have to go raw vegan. Um Yeah. (laughs) And I love that this is like true of life too, right? Where it's like, you only know by taking steps in the direction and saying like, this is working, this isn't working right now. Right. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of action, but action in baby steps rather than action in you know, change your whole life. Like you said, going raw food vegan, like, whoa, that's going to backfire so fast on you. But when you take a little step, then you get some information and then you can act on that information. Is this working? Is this going the way I want? Or is it not, you know, then back up, try something different. Yeah. So I think you, you and I have a lot in common. We are 
women building businesses who have kids who um, had corporate jobs and aren't in them currently and are like looking to serve people. And I'm curious, like one of the things that I personally struggle with when it comes to prioritization is making sure that I'm on that list in whatever way that looks like, whether it means spending a little extra on prepared food so that I'm not spending time cooking or whether it means getting a housekeeper, which I still haven't done in the past couple of years. <laughs> oh, I my recommend fault. it. My fault. I totally um, recommend it. <laughs> it's, we don't have time for my discussion. About that. <laughs> I should. It's on my list of things to do. Um, so whether it's, you know, doing that, I, I personally have like a lot of guilt around it. And I think I'm not alone in that in saying like, well, I'm not going to work. So like, I should have time for this. So what does the push and pull look like? Or maybe what does the like mindset work look like around actually getting yourself on that priority list? You know, it, it's so individual based on the person. That's what, that's what I've come to understand working with a lot of different women. Like there, there are some big things, you know, there are the big shoulds. So anything that you're saying, I should, if it has should in the sentence, you should really be questioning how much there is. See, I just said it with you should, but I recommend if you hear yourself say should, then question why, because if it's coming from something external and you're just putting that on yourself as something that you feel like you need to do for somebody else's benefit, then maybe you don't really need to, maybe it's not really within your family's values and, uh, goals. Mm -hmm. Um, but then it, you know, it really comes down to a lot of what we grew up with, what we, our, our culture, our immediate culture, our family culture, our local culture, what's important in our school and our, you know, in our community. Um, so it, it, and you know, to go all life coachy on you, it really just depends on whatever stories you're telling yourself. What you believe to be true is how you act. So if you believe that, uh, I don't know, for example, let me give an example. So um, I had a client uh, recently who um, believe, who was talking about being really active in her community. Mm. And she's she's in a conservative church community. And she believed that in order to be in order for her kids to have good social lives she needed to be really active in the women's social lives Mm. but she really wasn't enjoying it Mm -hmm. so but you know that's something she's telling herself maybe it's true maybe it's not so her action that I recommended that she take was to try backing off a little bit and see if it impacted her kids play dates maybe it will you know maybe it won't and if it doesn't then great. She doesn't have to say yes to so many things. And then she has more time. (laughs) You know, what's so funny just to share a personal story. When I was leaving Whole Foods, which was the last corporate job that I had and deciding to go out on my own and essentially like also be a full-time stay-at-home mom. So I was like bridging the gap between working and um, taking care of my kids. And I had a lot of trepidation around that. Like I've never identified as a stay at home mom and whatever that says about my perceptions of what that role is. Um, and the best advice I got from the, was this, from this like 20 year old single guy that also worked with me and was sharing, you know, that I was nervous about it and that it was a big step. And he was like, so if you hate it, like what happens? I was like, I don't know. I'll just like know that I hate it. And he's like, so like you could go back to work. Right. It's like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm making a very short term decision and seeing what happens. And here I am three plus years later, 
um, with two kids in preschool, right? So that I actually have time to like build this business that I have so much passion around sharing my message for. And it's just like we get so worked up in our heads around yeah. what it all means and what the impact yeah. might be and that it might be irreversible or whatever story we tell ourselves. So I really identify with this idea of like we need to re-examine those shoulds or even yeah. the things that we just like accept as true. Those are the things we probably need to look the most closely at. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think we really do it around our kids and our families because we want to get it right. You know, we want to make sure we're doing the right thing, whatever the right thing is. And then there's so much weight in what's right because culture tells us what's right. Our parents tell us what's right. Our friends tell us what's right. And they don't all agree with each other. So how do you choose? Yeah. We talked about this in relation to food in our interview on your podcast, because we were talking about this idea of like doing it right. And one of my biggest lessons learned, and I'll share a link to this episode in the show notes, but um, was with a pediatric nutritionist who basically said so much of our stress around feeding our kids is wrapped up in the fact that we associate feeding with nurturing, with like, Mm -hmm. this is how I love you is by caring deeply and getting you to eat right. properly, right? Right. And ultimately, they are their own people who we cannot force to eat anything. And once we let go of this idea that uh, that our food is nurturing and that's the only way to show that we love them or that we care or to make them healthy grown-up beings rather than looking at the bigger picture of like, am I helping them build healthy lifelong habits? Am I helping them build good associations with food? Am I showing them what healthy eating looks like by just doing it and not talking about it so darn much? Um, that yeah. our vision of what doing a good job looks like can really expand. And it sounds like that has been your experience, not just in food and feeding kids, but like overall. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And another piece, I mean, part of that conversation that we had yesterday was about moms who feel overwhelmed, new moms, especially because we were talking about moms who, you know, who a friend of yours, I think, who had never talked about food before, and then all of a sudden was making organic puree for her baby. So a big piece of that is control, because our lives feel out of control so often. So we pick the things that we think we can control. And then we get so we hold on to them so tightly. Just because it gives us a sense of control in a situation that feels out of control. But the reality is that we can't control hardly any of it. So when we can accept that truth, which is hard, you know, but when you can accept that it's kind of all out of control and all you can control is yourself and your reaction to the situation, then you can roll with much more complicated stuff. (laughs) And you get much more braver and more courageous and much more able to create a life that really fits you. But you have to let go of the, you know, holding on like this and just let things happen and trust yourself to respond to it. Yeah. Can I tell you an embarrassing story? I, yeah. (laughs) You know, I've been doing this healthy eating stuff. Like I've worked professionally with food for 10 plus years now. So I've been thinking about healthy eating from a long time before I actually had kids. So it's something that's important to me. I've obviously made it my life's work. Um, I have loosened up a lot since having kids and I think out of necessity. But when I had my first son almost five years ago, I was convinced that the only thing you needed to do to get kids to eat healthy, to like like vegetables, was that you should get make vegetables be the first foods that you give them instead of like, <laughs> as if everyone who had picky kids who wouldn't eat vegetables, they had given them bananas first. And that, that was... <laughs> I really believed that I would be the person 
who would get my kid to eat vegetables because I just have like the most measured, the most pragmatic, the most deeply understood approach to feeding my kids. And it would be all organic and I would make it all myself. <laughs> of course, spoiler alert, like that also didn't carry over in my second kid. And he's just as good of an eater as the second <laughs> But what I have learned the hard way about something I deeply care about, because it's the thing I've thought most about, is that like we can control our own actions and we can control our attitude towards actions like ours and others, but that I ultimately had no control over, over where, whether he was going to like vegetables or not. Like I do believe that my constant exposure of him to them, whether they're just on the table or whether he's actually eating them, has helped him to not see them as a foreign thing. Yeah. But ultimately five years in, that's all I feel comfortable taking credit for. Like anything else, his love of bell peppers and cherry tomatoes, like that's, that's him. <laughs> yeah. He came with that. Right. <laughs> oh, I actually didn't control any of this. I'm not some mastermind. I just did the work day after day, even when he didn't eat any of it. And that has led to what some might consider really small wins and some might consider really big wins. And yeah. you know, that perspective is so huge too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that it's so interesting because when with my daughter, we did baby led weaning, which really appealed to me much more than trying to feed her purees or, you know, any any special food, which just meant she ate food off our plate most of the time, which meant she was exposed to a wide range of food from the beginning. And I remember thinking to myself when she was, I don't know, a year and a half old and she loved Brussels sprouts. I was like, I am winning at motherhood. I have taught my kid to eat the grossest, you know, what is considered the grossest vegetable ever. And she totally loves them. And then she turned two and she developed her own personality in a way she hadn't before. Like she developed a voice and she was like, I don't like these Brussels sprouts. <laughs> and, and in fact, I don't like kale and I don't like anything green. <laughs> and, you know, in, a, in most ways that has never shifted. She's now eight years old. She still doesn't like vegetables. And I thought I had set her up for so much success. No. I know. And you're like. You're <laughs> she just hadn't voiced her opinion that. yet. <laughs> I think that like food is such a an obvious thing for us to learn the lessons of parenthood on, right? That it's like, it's so measurable and in your face. And it applies to like, like these things we're talking about apply to so much more of the experience of parenthood, of control, of checking like the lessons you're actually teaching them rather than the result you're getting. And that's like something else that I've really identified with. We talked about division of responsibility and feeding, which is I realized I was focusing more on whether my kids ate vegetables than the relationship that they were developing with food and feeding themselves and frankly, vegetables in general. And that by stepping back and saying like, okay, ultimately what I want out of them eating vegetables is them for them to be like, healthy adults who know what balanced eating looks like and who love all kinds of food, right? Well, you can't live on, I mean, I guess some people live on vegetables alone, but most of us don't, right? That's not our experience, but somehow that became like the crux of what I was focused on. And that opening, that identification of what was actually important and then opening my approach to focus more on that result than like the actual, how many vegetables did you eat today result? went a long way in re- relieving some of that pressure too. Cause I'm like, I don't know if they'll mm-hmm. be good eaters when they're adults. That's not really my concern. I'm just doing the work right now. Yeah. <laughs> It'll yeah. Be too late by the time I get there to worry about it. Yeah. And I, I think that the chances of them being good eaters is much higher when they have the tools from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And you know, they may, my mom was a super health conscious uh, hippie. Let me just be my straight. She was a total hippie in the seventies. We ate, the driest 
homemade bread ever, you know, nutritional yeast when nobody else knew what that was. We had all, you know, you were talking about millet yesterday. I was like, oh yeah, we, we ate millet. Carob chips. And my dad had, oh, yes, but they were like totally. better than chocolate from yeah. Beaches, which was our Southern Absolutely. Health. Absolutely. And so when I moved out of my mom, I mean, so I grew up eating really, really healthy food. And then when I grew out of, moved out of my mom's house, I had this total backlash. Like I am going to eat whatever I want. And so I was like pop tarts and white bread. And it lasted maybe a year because I realized that it didn't feel good mm-hmm. <laughs> to eat like that. Mm-hmm. So that was the difference for me was that I had something to compare it to. I had a healthy, ha- sure. early healthy habit so that I could compare what it felt like in my body. And so I reverted. I went back to healthy eating. And I think it's such a great example of how black and white, how little black and white exists in parenting, um, especially like in this food space, but in all of the space, right? Which is like, all you have to do is look at kids from the same family to understand that like everyone have their own personality. And I think that this is the perfect segue to saying like, okay, you can release whatever shoulds you might be having because there's no perfect way to parent. There's no perfect way to feed your family. So if someone is hearing this and they're saying like, all right, you've convinced me, you've showed me that no perfect way and I can't do it wrong, except for like, I mean, here's my caveat. I always say like, if you're thinking about these things, then you are doing a good job. Absolutely. Right? Like, yeah. Like, yeah, there are ways to do it wrong. And I don't want to make light right. of that. I just think if you're, but if you're, if you're a thinking parent, the chances are you're doing it correct, better correct. than you think you are. Podcasts about feeding your family that yeah. like you have invested time and energy into even finding it, let alone putting aside time in your brain right. to listen. So you can take that worry off your plate. So they're saying, okay, I, I want to prioritize myself. Um, so how, what does prioritizing yourself look like in like practical terms? Yeah. Okay. So it looks like, it looks like knowing what you need and then actually asking for it. So maybe that looks like, uh, let me give some examples from my own life. It looks like asking your partner to take your kid to school in the morning because you have something else you need to get done before a certain time in the day. It looks like, uh, making plans to go on a trip with your girlfriends or to go to a conference and knowing that your family is going to be okay without you because they have their own relationships. Um, it looks like quitting a volunteer gig. You know, moms are so good at getting into the volunteer gigs, especially at school. And it looks like, you know, saying that's not a good use of my time. This is not feeding me. It's not helping the school, you know, whatever it is. It's, it's just saying no to things. Even if you've already said yes to them, you know, you can still say no to them. You can change your mind. Um, what else? It looks like uh, speaking up when someone is doing or saying something that is out of line with your values, your personal values or your family's values. Um, I was listening to a conversation between some moms the other day where they were talking about being really uncomfortable with the way another mom was talking to their child. Well, what should I do? Well, you know, what felt, what felt right in your gut, you know, and not speaking up means not prioritizing what you believe in. And also your kids are watching. Yeah, (laughs) That's it. And that's the other piece of this is your kids are watching you. So if you want them to prioritize themselves and their lives, especially our little girls, we don't want them to be bending to men the way that so many women our age bend to men in this culture. So if we want to change that, we've got to start modeling it looking different. Yeah. So these, these are the things you need to do to stand up for yourself and your space and your voice and the things that you deserve. 
I love this idea that like the best things we can do to teach our kids is by doing those things ourselves. And that's yeah. something I talk a lot about with food. Like if you want your kids to eat better, you got to show them that you like sit down at a table and you eat a balanced meal. And like so many of us are eating peanut butter crust leftovers and then wondering why our kids aren't good eaters. Right. And it's like, I've been, right. I've totally been there and I've shared yeah. a lot about this on social media and it's that idea. Like, I know it shouldn't take that for me to be motivated to feed myself well, especially given what I do. But the truth is, is that like in the scheme of things, that's really important to me. And absolutely, maybe that's the motivation we need, right? Like no judgment on what gets you there. Just like start doing it. And one of the things yeah. that I had talked about in preparation for this conversation was this idea of like prioritization, even in as simple of things as like ordering what you want at a restaurant. Right. Can you talk right. to us a little bit about this? Concept? Yeah, yeah. So that particular example came up because um, I had been talking to a client, I think before you and I talked the first time, and she told me this anecdote that she, so she has teenage boys. She's a widow. She's raising, she's been raising these boys since they were like eight and 10. So she's been on her own for quite a long time. And they're now in high school. And so now they have jobs and evening activities. And so she found herself with an evening and she could take herself wherever she wanted to eat. And she was like, I don't know what, (laughs) I don't know what I like. I mean, I know what my kids like, but I don't really know what I like. So it was, it became this really interesting exercise in figuring out her own food preferences. Um, so that's the first piece of it is that you may give yourself permission to order what you want. And then you're looking at the menu and like, I really have no idea. So, okay. Action, right. Just try something. You don't have to, you know, eat the same thing forever. Try what sounds good. If you like it, great. Order it again. If you don't try something else. Um, But I think this is really important because we often order food for other people. You know, I I order food because I want to make sure my daughter's going to eat something and I think she's going to share my plate, you know? Um, So prioritizing yourself means order your own damn food, you know, order your own plate and let order something else for your kid or get them a side dish or something. Yeah. Yeah, we we talked a little bit, of, not to keep saying like, go listen to our other episode, but you really should. <laughs> because in there It really was about, a continuation, yeah. Yeah, we talked about this idea of like how I serve a meal. And I, I also believe like you should make food at home that you really love, but you should also yeah. make food at home that your family really loves. And that loosening your definition of what dinner looks like, that it's like a main and a salad and all of these things goes a long way to making that happen without becoming a short order cook, which is something I am like adamantly opposed to for many, many, many reasons. Mostly your sanity, yeah. but many yeah. other reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that I don't serve things my family likes. So like last night, for example, we had Last night's not a great example, but I'll give it anyway. So I had made this like casserole that had barbecue chicken and rice and broccoli and things in it. And I had that and I put some out for the kids. And then I was like, you know, they're probably not going to eat this. Like that's not really their jam, but it felt good to me and it was what I wanted. So I put out some blueberries and some sliced bell peppers, which by the way, I just like prep in bulk and leave in a glass container <laughs> from the fridge and put in and out of the fridge, like as many times as I need to, yeah. they go bad. Um, which is one of the ways I make that a lot easier and prioritize myself and my time is being like, sorry, this is, yeah, you're seeing the same thing again. Um, and then I made like a couple of grilled cheeses on the side, which they didn't even end up eating. And and sliced up some pears, right? So it's like right. none of it went together and former me would have been appalled by that. Like I <laughs> not even let people bring things to dinner parties at my house because I'm like, 
they don't know what we're having and it might not go together. Yeah. So yeah. that has really <laughs> required me to be more like expansive in my thinking, but it doesn't mean that I don't make what I like too. It just means that right. I keep it really simple and I yeah. serve something that everyone likes. And by the way, that's very rarely chicken nuggets, mac and cheese, like any of these things. It's not that I don't serve those things or that I even have a problem with them. I just want it to be my choice when they're served. Yeah. I want it to yeah. serve me and to serve my kids. And then I balance, you know, what that looks like. And I think a lot of us get caught in this, like, oh my gosh, I just don't want to have this argument. I'm just going to feed them this. But then we spend all this time feeling bad about it afterwards. So it's like not serving our kids and it's not serving us. And yeah. we're spending more time worrying than we would have to just like make something a little bit that we yeah. felt a little bit better about. So yeah. Yeah. And I do something similar. You know, I mentioned earlier, my daughter's really really pretty picky now. And she's, she's also decided that she's a vegetarian. So, and and I don't mean to disparage vegetarianism at all. I'm sorry if that came off sound. I don't mean, (laughs) yeah, well, I just, I just think it's funny because she's actually really never eaten meat. And so all of a sudden she's like, I'm a vegetarian, except also I eat prosciutto and fish sometimes. So I'm like, that's, that's not really a vegetarian and you can still have your preferences and you don't have to have a name for it. So I just think it's funny. Um, but she, I know what she likes and largely what she doesn't like. So if I'm making a meal for myself that, you know, like you said, with your casserole, it's like something that your kids are maybe not going to like. I just serve something on the side. And if I'm making something for her, like I know she loves roasted potatoes. So if I make a batch of roasted potatoes, I make a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And then I have it, you know, if I'm making myself something else, I just pull them out of the fridge. They're already cooked. So that's not a lot of extra effort on my part. Right. And that works really well for us. I I love that so much. That's like exactly the crux of so much of my thinking. And we talked about like batch cooking and mm-hmm. doing things that it doesn't have to look like, you know, spending hours in the kitchen. It's just like doing a little extra while you're doing it. Yeah. And finding ways that you can protect your own time and energy and also serve your kids in the same way. And I love this idea that I think we're getting to the crux of, which is that it doesn't have to be either or. Yeah, both things. And you said something earlier that really struck me, which was even letting other people in your family have their own relationships, like that you going on a vacation with your girlfriends is a service to you. Of course, it's about prioritizing yourself, but it's also a service to them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, this is, this was something that we haven't even got into this other whole topic, which is that I'm a cancer survivor. So I had about a year and a half of being really, really ill while I was in treatment. And the biggest, most beautiful thing that came out of that was that my partner and our daughter developed a really beautiful relationship that they had never had before. She was five at that point, not because they didn't get along, but just because I was in the middle of it all the time. And then suddenly I was not in the middle of it for a very long extended time. And so they just got to be buddies in a way they had never been before. And it was really beautiful. And it continues, you know, they're still, you know, they kind of like it when, you know, Stella definitely tells me, I'm going to miss you, mommy. You've gone way too long. I really want to come with you. But as soon as I'm out the door, like they're having a blast. (laughs) They're not not worried about me being gone at all. (laughs) I love that. And I think it's like such a good segue to this this other question that I wanted to make sure I ask you, which is like, can you give us if like someone's like, okay, you got me. Like, I, I know I need to do this. I want to give people like one final motivational kick in the pants to, like around like this idea of like, how does fostering what you love in, in food or beyond make you a better mom? Like, how are these things connected? Yeah, it's, 
I guess I want to I want to describe that by by asking you and the listeners to imagine someone that is so lit up and excited by the things that they do in their life. Like you can probably bring someone to mind that's like like they're so excited about whatever their thing is. They're super passionate about it. Their eyes are lit up. They love talking about it. You love hearing about it, even if it's a thing you're not into. Like they're just so excited that their energy is so amazing. That's why, because when you are lit up everybody around you catches that glow. And when you are lit up, you have more capacity for all of the other things. You know, you, you have more um, energy to play with your kids rather than fight with your kids. You have, you know, when, when your kids are having a temper tantrum, you're more likely to like have a dance party rather than yell at them. You know, it's like, you're just, your energy is all up here instead of heavy and weighted and frustrated. And so, that that's like the big picture reason because everything is easier. But the other piece that I really see is that it gives you energy when you're taking care of yourself, whether you call it self-care or you call it self-prioritization or you call it play or like whatever you call it, when you're feeding yourself, you have, you sleep better, you have more energy, you make better choices, you um, have better, deeper conversations with people. You have easier connections with your family um, you can read what they need more easily. And that's a big thing with little kids. Like they can't always tell you what you need, but you can, you know, you can read them, but only if you have space, you know, if you have the attention and the time to look at them and see what they're, what's happening with them. Um, so it, it just makes everything better. I mean, I, I feel like I'm like becoming like a broken record, like it's all good and everything it makes everything better, but it really does. And the thing is that it, it feeds itself. So the more you take care of yourself and the more your life feels better, the more you want to take care of yourself. And then your life gets even better. Um, I I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine who um, I had a podcast episode a while back that was about self-care and hard times. So I was talking about the kinds of the particular kinds of self-care I used when I was in cancer treatment that were, are not like, you know, going to get a massage or, you know, things like that, like really intensive stuff. And, um, she was talking about, she listened to that episode and she's like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to totally commit. And so she gave herself a month to be like all in on self-care for herself. And she said within a week, everything in her life was shifting. She was wow. getting along with her kids better. She wasn't resenting the time she was spending with them. They were getting along with each other better. And she was like, I had no idea. <laughs> no idea that was going to make such a big difference. I'm going to link to that episode in the show notes and I'm yeah. going to go listen to it because I think, um, you know, there's like this self-care has become a buzzword and in so many totally. ways, it yeah. is, go get a massage or do whatever it is. And, and it's so many other things. Than it's that. so many things. And my experience, and I'm curious if this is like in line with your experience is like a lot of it is about your attitude towards it too. Like for me, exercise is self-care. And I know that that's like not true for everyone. Some, some folks feel like it's punishment or it's a commitment or whatever it is, but a lot of it is about your perspective too. And what lights you up? Like I yeah. am a better mom when I have like been to the gym and lifted some heavy stuff and I know I can do hard things. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. That gives me perspective that I can then bring into two little boys wrestling on the hardwood floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just pure strength to like lift them up. Yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> Um, so speaking of perspective, uh, I would love to hear your perspective on this question. And then I'm going to, I want to make sure we tell folks where they can find you because there is so much more to this conversation that we have not gotten to and won't get to in the time that we have today. So 
will you wrap us up with what does feel good food look like for you? Yeah. Okay. So in my life, I eat, I, I totally resonated with the three words that you used earlier to describe your, your relationship with food. And, and I don't even remember now what they are, but for me, it's, um, seasonal food, um, organic food. And that's partly from being a cancer survivor, but I, I ate organic a lot before that, but now it's like, I really committed, especially with meat and dairy to eat organic. Um, and it's local. So those are the things that are big to me. And, and some of that is like a social, you know, social value. Like it's important to, I live in a place where a lot of food is grown and it's important to me to support our local small farmers. So I shop at the farmer's market a lot. And of course that means I'm eating organic food because that's what they sell at the farmer's market. Yeah. Um, but it also means I'm talking to the people who grew my strawberries and I'm finding really cool, fun recipes for this vegetable I've never heard of before that they're selling. Um, and I'm supporting, uh, the preservation of heirloom vegetables that, because you can't get those in the grocery store. And that's really important to me. So there's like all these fingers that go out from those things. Um, but then the other piece of this is the values that I want to instill in my daughter about how she thinks about her body. And that is that I want food to be fuel and I want it to be pleasure, but I don't want it to be comfort necessarily. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want her to be overthinking what she puts in her body. So I want it to taste good and I want it to make her feel good and I want it to give her energy, but I don't want every bite to be like, should I eat this? How many calories is it? What's it, you know, is this going to go straight to my hips? Like I do not even want her going there. And so far she's eight and she's escaped the body image thing pretty, pretty well. So I feel like I'm doing really good on that because it's not going to be very much longer. I can hold it Yeah. <laughs> but if I, you know, and it's like, instilling the good food habits, right? If I can instill good body habits in her at this age, as long as possible, then she's going to have so much more strength to push back against all those messages when they start coming at her and when she starts hearing them. Yeah, absolutely. And just like the major thing I take away from all that is like, it's about so much more than food. And totally, that's yeah. something that I like super yeah. identify with. And something I'm probably not the best at communicating is like, I actually don't work with food because it's about the food. It's about like everything else that surrounds all the other pieces. Yeah. And it's a catalyst to so much else in our life, including connection, supporting certain ways of growing things in our environment and like all of these things. So I love that yeah. you brought some of those thoughts up for me. Yeah. And I, and I love, you know, I love to cook. So, you know, a a lot of people think when they talk to me about, you know, creating more time, they're like, oh, you do really simple foods, right? Well, I actually really love to cook gourmet food. So no, I don't. I cook dinner almost every night because that lights me up. That's one of the things that I'm passionate about. And that's how I prioritize myself and my family, because I think feeding us well is, is important. Um, but that's my choice. You know, right. that doesn't mean that's right. no judgment on you if you don't do it. It's just, that's what works for us. And in my, one of my love languages is feeding people. So like, I love to have people over. I love to feed people around my table. I love to gather people and feed them really good food. That makes me feel amazing. But I know that's not for everybody. And I feel like that really brings this whole thing home is like, you have recognize that as a conscientious choice of something that's important to you. And then you prioritized it accordingly. So one of the things I love to do is give people like one action to take as a result of listening to the podcast. So if someone has listened into this conversation, they're like, all right, I'm ready to like check out my priorities and make sure that I have them in order. What is one thing they could do today 
just start getting on the path towards prioritization of their life and themselves? Oh, that's a good question. Let me think about that for a second. I would say do a little bit of a journaling exercise and I'm a big journaler. So, you know, take this and shape it. However, it works for you if you're not a journaler, but write out the vision of what you want your life to feel like. And I say that not look like, but what you want it to feel like, because it can look like a lot of different things and still feel, you know, have a thread of feeling. What do you want your life to feel like? And then what action can you take today that will move you toward that feeling? And it can be small. It doesn't have to be something huge, but just one action can you take today? Do it right away. I love that. If folks feel comfortable, I would love for you to hop on over to uh, Cooking with Full Plate on Instagram and let me know what you're going to do. I'll be sharing this in my stories and folks can share okay. with us, but I'm, I'm going to come up with something I'm going to do. I'm going to do this exercise and I will share to get folks started. So I really- <laughs> Awesome. Donia, if folks are like, all right, I need to learn more because there is so much here that I didn't get to hear about, where can they find you? I am at nurturedmama.net. You can find all of my stuff there. The podcast specifically is at nurturedmama.net slash podcast, or you can go to nurturinghabit.com. That also pulls it up. Um, so those are the places online where you can find me. And I do have a visioning exercise, a, a free, a very short visioning class that you can sign up for. So um, I'll make a page for your listeners. So if you go to nurturing, sorry, nurturedmama.net slash feelgood, there'll be a, a specific link for your people to download that class. Um, and then I'm also really active on Instagram. So you can find me at Nurtured Mama on Instagram and I love to hang out there. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on today. And thank you for those of you who hung out with us, listened to this conversation. And I can't wait to hear what your one step towards um, feeling like you're feeling the way that you have journaled about. I can't think of the right way to say that. <laughs> I'd love to hear what one step you're taking towards getting in alignment in your life. How about that? <laughs> I'll talk to you guys next Tuesday. Thanks again for being here.